Why is it that we are uh, so quick to accept good news as true and yet bad news as false? And this is kind of a, a quirky thing about human nature that um, isn't it true that, that when you hear bad news, isn't it true that you you don't want that bad news to be true? That when you hear something that, that's got that's not good news, you you hope that it's not true. When I heard this last week that Netflix was increasing its monthly subscription rate, my first thought was, oh, no, that can't be true. So I had to search through my email to find out, oh, no, it actually is true. Sorry if I'm the bearer of bad news for you on that, if that's new news to you. Yet conversely, when we hear good news, there's something within us that wants that to be true. Like when we heard about the vaccines that were coming out and testing effective, wasn't there something when you heard that news that you just wanted it to be true? And that prospect of good news, how many times did that come up within conversation over the following days? Or what if I told you that running is actually bad for you and eating ice cream three times a day will help you lose weight and extend life expectancy? Wouldn't you all want that to be true? can't guarantee that eating ice cream three times a day will actually extend a life expectancy, but it will increase your quality of life. And so my point is this, is that when you hear something that is good, you hope that it is true. And, and maybe even you are more readily, uh, you are more ready to share that good news with someone else than you are with bad news. When Jesus's birth was first announced, it was actually described on day one as good news and not just good news, but good news of great joy. Do you remember this story that as shepherds were keeping watch over their flock by night, an angel shows up and says, I got some good news. This is how Luke tells it in Luke chapter two. It says the angel stood before them. The Lord's glory shone around them and they were terrified. The angel said, don't be afraid. Look, I bring good news to you. Wonderful, joyous news for all the people. Your savior is born today in David's city. He is Christ the Lord. That night, the angel brought wonderful, joyous news to all the people that this child was going to bring good news, not just to mom and dad, grandma and grandpa, not just to the religious people and the religious elites, not just to holy people and powerful people. But this was good news for all the world. Was it true, though? Is it true? Or was it, is it too good to be true? The shepherds, when they heard this announcement, they ran out and sought the answer for themselves to see if this good news was actually true. Back to what I said at the beginning, that when you hear good news, you hope that it's true. And so here's, here's my question for us today. Why is it that we, why is it that people aren't responding 
like the shepherds. In a world that is so hungry for good news, why do we approach this good news of Jesus with such hesitancy? I mean, wouldn't, wouldn't we want to at least lean in and see if this is true? Wouldn't we at least want this news to be true? Why aren't more people at least curious to see if this news is not only true, but good. There's this interesting thing that has happened to Christianity over the past 2000 years. The Christianity started as an announcement of good news of great joy. But the question today has become not whether it's true or not, but whether or not it is good. Is it good? Because whether or not we will accept the message of Christianity as true is dependent upon whether or not we believe that it is actually good. I mean, almost every historian, religious or not, accepts the fact that Jesus was an actual person. That in the first century, there was a man named Jesus who started a religious movement that has turned into Christianity. Today, it can be a fact checked. The question isn't so much whether Jesus and Christianity are true based on facts. That's that's an important question to ask. But the more important question, the more the more pressing and poignant question, it seems for us today is that whether or not Jesus and his message is actually good. And at least for me, in majority of conversations that I have with people who have turned away from uh, Christianity and this message of Christianity, their reason for turning away isn't because of an argument that Christianity is not true. The reason for turning away from Christianity is based on an experience that Christianity is not good. <laughs> They were raised by someone, bumped into someone, worked for someone who claimed to be a follower of Jesus, but showed nothing like the love of Jesus to them. Christianity was seen as something not just not true, but not good. Now, that's certainly not everyone. I know plenty of people who have been curious about Christianity, done their research and come to the conclusion for themselves that, well, it's just not true for me. But what I'm trying to do is I'm, I'm trying to put my finger on, on something that has happened, this cosmic kind of shift that has happened, that the news of Jesus and the message of Christianity doesn't even go so far as researching whether it is true or not, because it's assumed that Jesus and this message of Christianity is not good. And nobody wants something that isn't good to be true, right? You tracking with me so far? No. Okay. We can talk about it. Just not right now. Okay. So <clears throat> when the first people who documented Jesus's life, they wrote down uh, this story of Jesus, the events of Jesus's life in a book, they called that book, the gospel. 
That word gospel means good news or good announcement or good story. And so when they, the people who wrote this, they being Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John wrote the story of Jesus, they said, what do we call this thing? Let's call it gospel. Let's call it good story, good announcement, good news. This is fascinating that, that the first century people were trying to write about Jesus. They considered it, uh, his life and his story, such wonderful, joyous news that they could call it nothing else besides good. It's not a very original title, but it is a very descriptive one that this is, this is the best title that we can come up with for this story, that it's a, it's a good story for all the people that the original news, the initial news of Jesus was so compelling that itself was called good. So here's where we're going with all of this. Is that my hope over these next four weeks is not to try to convince you that this announcement of a baby being born 2000 years ago in a feeding trough is true. We can talk about the details of that some other time. My hope instead is that over the course of these next four weeks is to remind us and, and maybe convince all of us that this news is actually good. And to do so, I'm, I'm going to try to use just, just four simple words. Sound like I'm trying to set up a magic trick. Okay. But, but I'm not, I'm trying, I'm going to try to use just four simple words to get to the heart of what we talk about when we talk about this gospel, this good news. And so the four simple words are this with for ahead. And so, so let's begin with the word with, with is a simple uh, preposition, but, but it's, it's significant in all the ways that it can be used. With can mean accompanied by. With can mean in opposition to something. With can mean in relation to. With can mean in the same direction as something else. And so when we talk about God being Emmanuel, God with us, what do we actually mean? Because often when we talk about God being with us, we talk about God being with us in certain moments of time, just little blips on the timeline of our lives that we've all heard, or maybe we've told ourselves those dramatic stories where all hope was lost. And then all of the sudden God showed up. And we love those stories, but it does leave us with this question. Wait, if God showed up, then does that mean that God was absent before the big, beautiful bang God moment? And how come God didn't show up all those other times? Now, I think most of this is just the hazard of us trying to wrestle with our finite human language to try to describe these marvelous, infinite movements of God. I, I get that. But undergirding all of these miraculous stories is this very subtle yet powerful statement that God is somewhere else. God, God is somewhere else. And God only comes and visits us in our world from time to time, just to do some God stuff every now and again. 
And if we draw this idea out to its farthest possible conclusion, then, then God just showing up leads us to then believe that life, existence, that this world is, well, it's just perfectly capable of going on without God. And God, in essence, becomes, well, optional. Sometimes God shows up and it's great or it's terrifying. And sometimes God doesn't show up. And it turns out life is just fine or not. God's interaction with the world seems optional. But that's not the way the Bible speaks about God. There's these ancient Jewish people. They, they had this profound sense that God was always at work in the world, that God was always with us. They believe that everything that we know to be everything that exists is because of an explosive, expansive, surprising, creative energy that surges throughout everything within this world, holds it all together and gives this world this depth and this fullness and this beauty. And they called this expansive cosmic electricity, this divine energy. They called it Ruach. It's kind of a fun word to say Ruach. It's God's spirit. And this God's spirit, this Ruach, this divine energy flows from God. And this world is crammed with this restless, creative energy. Look at what an Old Testament uh, poet said. He said this in Psalm 139. Where could I go to get away from your spirit, your Ruach? Where could I go to escape your presence, O God? If I went up to heaven, you would be there. If I went down to the grave, you would be there too. If I could fly on the wings of dawn, stopping to rest only on the far side of the ocean, even there, your hand would guide me. Even there, your strong hand would hold me tight. If I said darkness will definitely hide me, the light will become night around me. Even then the darkness isn't too dark for you. Nighttime would shine bright as day because darkness is the same as light to you. You are the one who created my innermost parts. You knit me together while I was still in my mother's womb. This Ruach, this divine cosmic energy of God is as wide as the universe and as powerful enough to fuel and sustain the stars of the sky. And yet it's as intimate and personal to us as the breath that you just took. Ruach with See, it's not just that God is with us in moments of high highs and low lows. Those, those moments where time seems to stand still as our body tries to catch up with our souls. But it's also in those everyday moments. It's in those moments when we're caught off guard by a cool breeze. Those moments where we laugh so abruptly that we end up snorting. And then our snort turns into a belly laugh and tears roll down our cheeks as our friends laugh at us and with us. That's Ruach. That's the fullness, the beauty of life. So yesterday, 
my boys uh, found this blue tinsel twill thing. Our house is kind of under construction right now. And so uh, all this stuff that was locked away in closets is now pulled out. And everything that is old is now new and exciting to them. And so they came to me and they said, dad, 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 look, a scarf. Dad, 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 look, a cape. Dad, 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 look, a laser shooter thing. Because everything is a laser shooter thing when you're three and five years old. And it was as if they had found this buried treasure, unearthed it, and found a whole new adventure that awaits them. That there was something new and beautiful, and there was this anticipation in their eyes. What is right around the corner with this? And it struck me because... Well, I found myself a little annoyed. After all, can't they see that I'm trying to write a sermon to proclaim truth to God's people, to speak on these holy, divine, expansive things. And here they are bugging me with this blue twirly thing. And then I realized I've missed the simple gospel. I've missed the simplicity of this good news. I've missed what Jesus called this childlike faith. You know, life has a way of, of beating wonder and awe out of us. Doesn't it? That you get betrayed, you get hurt, you lose something or you lose someone. And it's as if there's, ever so thin layer begins to wrap around your heart and harden it. And so you roll your eyes a little bit more often. You scoff a little bit louder. You believe a little bit less and you pull back and retreat. And ever so gradually you fold your arms over your chest You cleanse your jaw and you become just one more spectator to life. But I don't believe that God intended for us to walk through this world in this position. I don't believe that God intended for us to live this way. But instead, God intends for us to, to feel this reverent hum that is shaking beneath our feet, this ruach, this spirit of God that is far above us and below us and around us and beside us and at work within us every moment. But there are these moments where we don't feel with God's spirit, this cosmic energy. Interestingly, if if you were to read through the Old Testament, you would find that there's this sense that the people have become dull to God's spirit at work within them and at work within the world that that ever since the moment of creation where God's spirit was released and the world started blooming with new life ever since then, there's been this gradual descent of human sensitivity to the divine presence at work in the world. The generation by generation arms got folded over chests tighter and tighter 
and layers got added on to their hearts becoming harder and harder. And so God sent people like the prophets, like the prophet Isaiah that said, wake up, wake up, O sleeper, rise from the dead because light has come upon you. God's glory has risen upon you. The prophet Ezekiel said, remove your heart of stone, receive this heart of flesh. And yet the call was met with mostly apathetic yawns. Meh. What good is it? And if we're honest, most days we find ourselves with a similar response. A blue tinsel thing isn't a key to a whole nother world. It's just something that we haven't taken out to the trash yet. We live in this shallow world. One that bombards us from a thousand different directions of, of advertisements, all to try to get us to escape the mundane of every day. And, and all of this noise, it, it can drown out. It can make us numb to this electric hum of God with us. And we end up feeling like this world is without weight. This world is without substance or matter because today is going to run into tomorrow, just like every day before it has. That's why we need Advent that, that's why we need this time of a new beginning, a, a new way of God being with us. And it's interesting that this, this new thing, this new story that God is telling, this good story that God is telling, it's found in the New Testament. And it begins like this. This is, this is the first book, the first verse in the New Testament, this new story that God is telling. This comes from Matthew chapter one, where it says a record of Jesus's and of the ancestors of Jesus Christ, son of David, son of Abraham. Abraham was the father of Isaac. Isaac was the father of Jacob. Jacob was the father of Judah and his brothers. Judah was the father of Perez and Zerah, whose mother was Tamar and on and on and on. It goes for 14 generations. What a boring way to announce something new. But I do believe it's as if Matthew, the, the author of this good news, is, is trying to tell us something. God has always been at work in the world. Even though there is this new thing that is happening, God has always been with us. That even on, on the advent of this new big thing, it's really just the continuation of something that God has already been doing, being with, just as God was with Abraham and Isaac and Jacob and Judah and Tamar and on and on it goes. And so when the good news of this new thing is finally announced, look, look at how it happens. It's Matthew one, verse 18 it says, this is how the birth of Jesus Christ took place. When Mary, his mother was engaged to Joseph before they were married, she became pregnant by the Holy spirit. Joseph, her husband was a righteous man because he didn't want to humiliate her. He decided to call off their engagement quietly. 
As he was thinking about this, an angel from the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, don't be afraid to take Mary as your wife, because the child she carries was conceived by the Holy Spirit. She will give birth to a son and you will call him Jesus because he will save his people from their sins. Now, all of this took place so that what the Lord had spoken through the prophet would be fulfilled. Look, a virgin will become pregnant and give birth to a son and they will call him Emmanuel. Emmanuel means God with us. This is the good news that was announced in the middle of a mess. Joseph, a, a righteous man, he's, he's in a pickle here. What will everyone think of his fiancee, Mary? And yet the angel shows up and gives him some good old news. God is with us. Citing a promise that was made some 730 years prior by the prophet Isaiah. Look, a virgin will become pregnant and give birth to a son and they will call him God with us here and now. This is the good old news. God is with us. The, the good news is that God has kept God's promises. The good news is this new news that Jesus is here and God is with us in a new way. And I believe, I believe that Jesus still wants to come into our world. Even in 2020 with all of our mess, with all of our hurt, with all of our division, with all of our pain, with all of our longings. And Jesus wants to come into our world and bring some good news to us again, because that's what God does. That's what God has always done. God comes to a weary world, a dull world, a world that has arms crossed and hearts hardened. And God makes it rejoice again with wonderful, joyous, good news. And that's not just true. It's good. Let me pray for us. So God, today may hope be born within each and every one of us. God, that we would, we would hold on to this simple gospel, this simple good news that you are with us wherever we may find ourselves in the high points, the low points, in the pain, the hurt, the division, God, in, in the mundane. Lord, that we would hold on to this good news that you are Emmanuel. That you are with us. And Lord, may that lead us to see this world in wonder and awe ablaze with your spirit. Pray this in Jesus name. Amen.